disruption zone. Opportunity lives where the status quo dies. Talking to the greatest innovators, disruptors, and off-the-wall inventors, we can scrounge up. You laugh, you'll learn, you'll be inspired. Now, here are your hosts, Leland Conway and Cameron Mills. All right, today's a fun one. I've got a double whammy for you. I've got Senator Rand Paul and Congressman Thomas Massey on the same show. <laughs> With uh, Senator Paul, we're going to talk about um, essentially how he brought down the pandemic theater in one conversation uh, with uh, the Fouch. And we're going to talk more about the Fouch and the COVID theater with Congressman Massey. And we're also going to talk to him about guns. So I just decided to put these two puppies back to back. I was filling in for uh, KFAB, the great station in Omaha, Nebraska. And uh, they were so kind to come on and talk about this stuff. So I'm just going to put them back to back here for you and let you listen to what they had to say. But first, I got to tell you, big thanks to our sponsor, Louisville Cabinets and Countertops. They are so awesome. And I can say that not just because they sponsor the podcast, but because I have been a customer of them um, twice, actually. My kitchen, they did such a good job on my kitchen. I went back for my master bathroom. Tim is amazing and his crews are amazing. I had a really problematic island in my kitchen and he came in and said, I can fix that. And he did. And from then on, it was just beautiful. We did. We chose to do uh, quartz countertops because lower maintenance, more expensive, but lower maintenance. But we were glad to have gone with that. But whatever you want, man. I mean, they can do it. They've got three designers on staff. Michelle, Kelly, George. They're all waiting for your call at 502-930-3304. Or cruise on over to their website, LouisvilleCabinetsAndCountertops.com, and see the cabinets they have in stock that are ready to go right now. I mean, you can do the custom stuff, too. But the cabinets in stock are affordable, and it's every style you can imagine. They're at 6200 Hit Lane, Louisville, Kentucky, so just stop by and see them. If you're in Louisville, Southern Indiana, or Autumn County, these are your guys uh, and gals. 502-930-3304, Louisville Cabinets and Countertops. All right, here's our conversation with Senator Rand Paul and Congressman Thomas Massey. Very good, Leland. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for coming on. I, I'm, I'm crediting you with essentially ending the pandemic because it seems like we were still cowering in fear right up until you brought up this thing, this theory, this idea that maybe, maybe we brought this on ourselves by funding gain-of-function research in the Wuhan lab in China. And it seems as though since then, Fauci has been in defense mode and the pandemic has been coming apart at the seams. But it looks like when you look at the internal debate in the last administration over you know, researching the origin of this, it seems as if many of the people in government didn't want it revealed that the U.S. government was funding this research. So I think that was an impediment to getting to the truth. But I don't think I've ever, I've very rarely in Washington seen a, such a sea change in attitude. You know, this was poo-pooed as a, you know, conspiracy theory. No, no sane person would believe this. And now it turns out that almost everybody believes that it's very possible, if not likely, that it came from the lab. You've got a slew of university scientists saying this is the evidence that looks like it came from the lab. This is the evidence we'd want to see if it came from animals, but the evidence is weighted predominantly that it came from the lab. And these scientists aren't right-wing Republicans. They don't have a political agenda. They're just worried about uh, us killing off the world by creating these super viruses. 
There were a lot of so-called scientists, though, that were covering this up for a period of time. Are you concerned that the scientific community has been co-opted by politics? Well, you know, the scientists that were doing this were self-interested. You know, Peter uh, Dezak, who's a friend of uh, Tony Fauci's, they were privately communicating. And then Peter Dezak was then sending emails to all his buddies saying, hey, we need to have this letter written and maybe some of us shouldn't sign it. Uh, because we were involved with funding the lab, and we want to look at disinterested as this is, is an independent project. But really, this was Peter Dezak covering his you-know-what. He was the one who gave directly the fund. So Tony Fauci and NIH gave it to EcoHealth Alliance. This Peter Dezak is in charge of it. He then gives it to Wuhan. But really, the, the incredible lack of judgment and lack of uh, understanding here, Tony Fauci was asked last week by Senator Kennedy, he said, do you trust the Chinese scientists? And the implication was trust him enough to do this again. And he said, yes, yes, absolutely. And he was asked many years ago about a pandemic occurring from this. And he says, yes, it could happen, but it's worth it. And it's like that kind of lack of judgment, that kind of naivete should should really preclude him from being in any position of authority over dictating where our money is spent. Should he be fired? Absolutely. Without question. He's shown lack of judgment. He's, he's shown lack of forthrightness. When we've asked him, did he do this? It's like, oh, there's no gain of function. But in, in the very paper where the Chinese bat scientist is juicing up this virus to make it more effective to humans, that virtually every scientist says is gain of function, she thanks Dr. Fauci's organization and lists the number of the grant they gave her. So the thing is, is he's just not being honest. In his private emails, he was immediately, when he heard of this, sending urgent emails to his underlings saying, read this paper immediately. We will talk in one hour. What does that sound like? That he was worried that he'd been found out. And so, but I think he thinks that uh, the left won't question him here. But even the left has started to question the origin of the virus and that it might have come from a lab. And we need to question this beyond party politics because... This could happen again in a much worse way. They're experimenting with viruses much worse than COVID. Yeah. Yeah, that's the scary part is that it's still going on, and our tax dollars may be funding it. I mean, I don't even want to think about something that has a higher mortality rate. You know, I mean, this was – I think we got I think we got relatively fortunate with this virus, virus not being as bad as something really could have been. I mean, some of the other types of viruses like that are similar to this – have you know high, they they don't spread as fast but they have higher mortality rates um right we, we that's sort of exactly got fortunate. right that's exactly right so the sars virus was the one that came out in 2004 it's another type of coronavirus but it's 15 percent mortality instead of one percent mortality but you're right we're lucky that it's deadlier but it's much less transmissible but you know what the bat scientist was doing in that lab one of the papers she publishes is with the sars virus 15% mortality, making it more transmissible. So the one thing Mother Nature did not give the SARS virus was good transmissibility. She's creating that in the lab. How scary is that? But we're also doing that research in our country. We should not be juicing up these you know, horrific uh, bugs and then hoping they don't get out. So essentially the, the, the point of view that Fauci is coming from is that, yeah, we're doing this. Um, it is dangerous. It could lead to problems, but it's worth it if we can create a cure for something we think maybe nature might do somewhere down the line. But here's the thing. We now have the science 
that when a bad virus occurs, we can map its genome within days, and we can create an mRNA vaccine within weeks. We don't need to have the live virus. The other thing is, is if you create a live virus in the lab, that's not what's going to come about. So if you create a vaccine for a virus you created in the lab, do you think Mother Nature is going to give you the same virus? Right. No, it's going to be much more random. You will have to have a vaccine to the next one that comes out. Right. But the good news is the development of mRNA vir- uh, vaccines, you don't need – you need to know what the, the genome is, what the DNA sequence of the virus is, but you don't need to have these juiced-up viruses that were growing in the lab. It's, it's incredibly dangerous. And really put that on top of the government that uh, you know doesn't allow any free expression of speech and has uh, slave labor. They aren't particularly the poster child for you know right. being upstanding and responsible people. Right. It's it's pretty terrifying to be honest with you. Is it Senator Doctor Rand Paul or Doctor Senator Rand Paul? I mean, is, is, what's the best oh way to for s- you for you Leland? You've known me long enough. Rand <laughs> is fine. Okay. So, uh, <laughs> okay. This this might be a bit of a segue, but but it ties into this. Um, we have Facebook now. Yeah, you were talking about, you know, early on with this. Facebook would ban you for even mentioning this quote-unquote conspiracy theory that, that the, it was a Wuhan virus lab leak of the virus or whatever. Now Facebook is like, oh, yeah, we, uh, we, we're not going to ban you for talking about that. We also know that in the emails that came out f- from Dr. Fauci that he had actually received an email from Mark Zuckerberg basically begging him for some talking points, some ways that they could – essentially help him get the message out. And then they started banning people that were talking about the Wuhan leak. That is, that is very suspect. And now we have, I mean, is that, is that kind of scary to think about? Well, well, today it came out that the person policing climate change truth is some French PhD student. <laughs> oh, mean, wow. Really? This is what we're up against. But the wow. thing is, is that it is dangerous in science, And it's dangerous in public policy when you only have one truth and it's predetermined by a small group of elite people. Right. This is what debate is about. This is what skepticism is about. It's what's driven science since the time the consensus. You remember the consensus once upon a time said the world was flat. And it was skeptics, you know, like Galileo and others. You know, once upon a time they said, you know, everything revolved around the earth, you know. And so skeptics brought us to, to an advance in science. You can't have consensus. You need skepticism. But the thing is, is public policy even more so, because there's a lot of this that's opinion. A lot of it's based on facts. A lot of it's on interpretation of facts. Even in our court system, which we say is not political, there's a whole series of facts. And then two sides argue those facts. And then a jury's got to figure out what is the truth between two sets of facts. And so it's a terrible idea to have an arbitration of the truth predetermined by a bunch of elite uh, liberals. But I, I'm not big on the idea of breaking them up. I say we compete with them. In the next couple of weeks, I'm launching a website called LibertyTree.com. And on that, we're going to have different Liberty voices. And we're not going to go through the filters of Facebook or through the, or the filters of Twitter. And our hope is to grow enough of an audience that we can be outside of these people. I, I hope that's successful because I, I gave a speech back in Kentucky where both of us are from uh, just last weekend. I was talking about this big cancel culture movement. And I made the point that we now, it was the day after the Facebook announced they were banning uh, President Trump for two years, conveniently right until right after the midterm elections, essentially, you know, killing off his ability to campaign for those elections for, for, for candidates. Um, 
and I, and I made the point that we've, we've now turned over our elections, essentially, for all intents and purposes, to two companies, Twitter and Facebook, who will decide whether or not somebody is worthy of running for office from president on down to dog catcher. Because at this point, if they don't want you on there, you're out. That's a pretty dangerous place to be. I, I don't think our founders ever envisioned America would be in a place where two companies would decide who could run for president because you can't be successful with a campaign well, without yeah, either yes of those campaigns. Yes and no, Leland. I'm going to have to run after this answer. Okay, what sure. I would say is this. Don't sell yourself short. Look at talk radio. Talk radio is dominated by voices of liberty, people from the right. Talk right. radio has a great deal of influence. Twitter can't shut you down. Facebook can't shut you down. So there are avenues. We need to accept them. I think there's a billion dollars to be made by whoever develops a Facebook that is more open-minded or a Twitter that's more open-minded. It's going to happen. 40%, 50% of the public want it. So whoever comes up with it first is going to be fabulously wealthy. Let everybody come on board and get rid of all these idiot filters and these fact-checkers who think they know the truth and let people speak their mind. It'll be phenomenally successful. But we already have our venues, and there's lots of venues out there. So I don't think we have to be too hangdog that it's the end of of free speech here. But I oppose them. Don't use these people. If you don't like them, don't use them. We need to get off of their platforms and on to more uh, open platforms. But i got to run, Leland. Thanks for having me. All right, that was uh, Senator Rand Paul, and uh, now we'll, we'll jump into our conversation that we had with Congressman Thomas Massey. We start by talking about him questioning FBI Director, uh, uh, what is the guy's first name? I can't remember. It's, it's Ray is his last name. Anyway, he questioned him yesterday in the Judiciary Committee. It's a pretty interesting conversation. And then we roll into guns and ammo. Then we talk about the Fouch. We also talk about uh, Facebook banning President Trump from their platform. So we'll get into all of that. Uh, with Congressman Massey here. Uh, so, yeah, what did you what did you ask uh, FBI Director Ray? Well, I had three questions for him. Number one, uh, was he aware uh, whether anybody at the FBI or any other government agency consulted with Facebook or Twitter before they took the unprecedented step of banning the president? Huh. The, and whether there was any consul- consultations before they subsequently uh, canceled tens of thousands of conservative accounts on Twitter. Yeah. Now, he's, he says he's not aware. But, you know, I've got to go back and look at how he worded his answer. So, I mean, assuming that the reason you would answer, ask that question is that if, it, if what these people that, that were banned was deemed a th- were doing was deemed a threat, then you would think that the FBI would be in the loop, so to speak, on well, shutting down right. their ability to speak publicly. Well, he did, and he did admit in the answer to the second question that didn't involve the president but involved tens of thousands of accounts, right. he said that they have done stuff like that in the past, but he wasn't aware of any of that um, there in that second week of January. Right. I, you know, when, I, when the big purge happened. It's interesting. I just did a, I just did a, a speech back in Kentucky about cancel culture and. It, part of uh, what I was talking about had to do with the president being banned because it was the day after that the, the Facebook had re- said, you know, we're going to ban him for two years. Mm-hmm. And the thing that is really terrifying to me, and, and look, you and you and I know both of us, both of us, you and I have both challenged President Trump. You far closer to him than, than a, a measly talk show host. Um, but you took a lot of grief for that. <laughs> we didn't agree with everything he said, but right. I told the people, I said, listen, we're in an unprecedented place where two companies, Twitter and Facebook, now control 
the potential outcome of our elections because they can choose who is and who isn't an approved candidate for our elections from president all the way down to dog catcher because if they well, can boot the yeah. pres- a, pre- a former president of the United States or a sitting president of the United States, they literally have taken over the election process because there's no way you could run a campaign in today's world without having access to social media. So my hypothesis that I wanted to test doesn't mean I believe it was true. It means it was possible, and so I wanted to test it. Was that a publicly owned company with that many shareholders and that much to lose would have some kind of ace in the hole when they took on the liability of canceling the president and tens right. of thousands of their customers uh, either they have some really good lawyers who said there's no way you're ever going to lose a lawsuit or get in trouble for this, or this was the hypothesis, which I guess the director has disproven, which is fine, uh, is that the government told them, go ahead and do it. We've got information to back you up if you do get sued for you know violating right. civil rights on a massive scale or whatever, sure, whatever. Sure. Uh, so anyways, that was my first question. My second question uh, was directed at Director Ray based on um, a request from 9-11 families of victims. The, uh, Congress, since I've been there, we passed a law called JASTA, J-A-S-T-A, and it's it allowed the families to proceed with their civil lawsuit against Saudi Arabia. Uh, well, the families have had a hard time getting information from the FBI every time they try it. And they've sent them subpoenas. And the subpoenas are outstanding. The FBI says it's too much work to search all their records or they're trying to protect sources. By the way, these sources are on retirement now because this was 20 years ago. Yeah, sure. Yeah. So they're trying to protect sources, et cetera, et cetera. And so I, I asked him if he would commit to reviewing all of those documents and, and releasing everything that's possible without, without sacrificing justice for the families in the name of diplomacy. You see, right. that's the problem here. The, you know, the government, the, the State Department especially, wants to maintain relationships with all of these governments, whether they're dictators or you know, regardless right. of whether they're good actors. And um, there, there are people at the State Department who are willing to say, well, I'm sorry. You just, there's, you know, th- yeah. over 3,000 people Justice died. Justice for our people doesn't matter. Yeah. And, and that's just, you know, gonna, for, for statesmanship, you're just going to have to leave it be and move on. That's, that's what some people at the State Department would say. And so there's an executive order that allows the DNI to review all of these documents and release them for the public good and I asked the FBI director if he would get with the DNI and allow her to do that. He actually said he would talk to the DNI. Hmm. uh, And then the third question is one you and I have discussed before, but this was the first time I got to ask the FBI director about it. There were 112,000 denials due to the Nick's background check, which by the way, the FBI runs, not the ATF. 112, yeah, for guns. Uh, denials at the point of sale. Somebody tried to purchase one or more firearms, so they have to do one check. Uh, there were 112,000 federal denials, not state. I'm just counting the federal ones. And there were only 12 federal prosecutions in 2017. Wow. Now, it's not up to the FBI to prosecute. It's the ATF 
and it, and it's the U.S. Attorney's Office. Biden calls it the AFT. Yes, the AFT. <clears throat> the AFT. The aft. aft. Well, the, the reason Biden said aft twice when he was in the Rose Garden that day is he I think he just came from a meeting with the aft, which was the American Federations of Teachers, ah. which is their union, which was pushing him <laughs> to, to keep everything closed. Right. Gotcha. So that's why aft was in the front of his frontal. The aft was at the fore? Walnut. The aft yes. was at the fore? <laughs> it was at the front of his walnut or raisin. <laughs> Uh, anyway, so, uh, so 100, 112,000 denials, 12 prosecutions. So, ATF is supposed to prosecute. So you're going, why didn't we prosecute or at least yeah. check into more of these cases? Well, well, I thought about asking that question, but I said, you know what? I'm not going to ask you to impugn the ATF for the U.S. attorneys for not being diligent. What's obvious here, are there are false denials. Right. And John Lott, who worked at the DOJ, Dr. John Lott, has seen the data and said that if you are black american you're three times more likely to have a false denial the data points to that and it, and if you're hispanic american you're twice more than twice as likely to get a false denial which is tied to the likelihood to have a name as the same as someone else within your racial or ethnic background that then maybe that person had committed a crime and Correct. was denied and now you permanently have to try to explain yourself every time you want to practice your Second Amendment right. That's correct. Which effectively means that at times the background check system, until it's made better, really the outcome is, is racially, racially dis- divided. disparate. Yeah, yeah, disparate. It, That's a good word. Yeah. It it comes up with a different answer based on, on average based on what your race or right. ethnicity is, right? Which is problematic. So I asked him if he thought if he was concerned. And, um, of course, he can't say he's not concerned. Right. So then he agreed to look into it, Hmm. to look into the data. And this is the hardest thing is to get them to look into the data. They collect it all. If you've ever filled out a a form 4473 or a couple hundred of 4473s. (laughs) Right. And, you know, yes, 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 no, yes. Exactly how many guns have you lost, Congressman Massey, in a boating accident? Because you know a couple hundred, how many of you lost in a boating accident? The creek, the creek next to my house is is Poison only with lead. It's only four inches deep uh, in the summer. <laughs> okay, but but for me, so I can't really put a boat on it. But there have been a lot of floods, right? You know the gully washers, man. That right. thing rip roaring. I don't know how many time. guns have gone down to the Ohio River. <laughs> Probably if you could go to the base of the dam, yeah. There in Bracken County, you'd find a lot of guns. But yeah. I've lost a lot in floods and boating accidents. <laughs> it's terrible. Uh, it's but so this problem. is, this is uh, these are important things. And we got, you know, it's to get any kind of commitment. And he said he'd follow up with my staff on it. So that's great. Yeah. And this is one of the reasons I'm, I'm very excited to be on judiciary, on the Judiciary Committee this year. Right, because you can ask questions like that. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about the Fouch and his uh, obliterated credit. I thought it was interesting. A Stanford epidemiologist, um, Dr. Bhattacharya, basically said the Fouch has no credibility yesterday. Um, because, he, first of all, there's now a study out that shows that not only did masks not work, but there's several pretty interesting detrimental aspects of wearing masks. One is that it uh, causes increased alkalinization of your skin, which leads to uh, less barriers against potential bacterial infection. Uh, It distorts our uh, communications process, which causes learning 
uh, troubles for young children who are still trying to learn verbal and physical cues and uh, also is difficult for people who are hard of hearing. Um, this is interesting little side effects that while they may not be as bad as a virus that's killed some people, a lot of people, um, they still, when the mask isn't actually effective at slowing the spread, you're kind of doing more harm than good in that case. Well, he's in the uh, third person reference stage of denial. In other words, he's referring to himself in the third person. He said, if you question Dr. Anthony Fauci, you are, (laughs) you know, you're denying science. Right. And, you know, just to unwrap that, once you retreat to the third person and then equate yourself as a synonym with science. Right. uh, You're losing the argument. I said recently, just a few minutes ago, so I got to go to Twitter and see how much trouble I'm in. But. I tweeted that science requires evidence, not trust. Hmm. And Dr. Fauci has neither. Yeah, that's really good. Uh, I'm looking for your, here we go. Got you on my search bar here. Let me see what you got. Share that puppy. Uh, Get some secondhand hate. Yeah, well, uh, you've got 3,000. You just did this a couple hours ago. 3,611 likes, 719 retweets, and 129 comments. Oh yes. All right. It's it sounds like I'm um <laughs> if things unless things get canceled. Right. Uh which they they kind of do sometimes on Fox. I'll probably be on Fox tonight. Right. Uh to talk about natural immunity. Yeah. You and I have been beating the drum for months uh, for a year. <laughs> right. And uh well you about staying healthy. You got yeah. You know, went to I got Facebook banned from jail. Facebook for yeah. telling people to take vitamin D, exercise, and eat a healthy diet. <laughs> hey, have you seen the meme that says me waiting for a lottery that I can enter if I eat well right. and exercise? Right. right. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't it like like almost every liberal govern, governor in America is now uh, doing a lottery to get people to actually uh, get their vaccination or whatever? Liberal? Well, you know, Jim Justice in West Virginia is not just giving away millions of dollars. He's giving away shotguns and pickup trucks. <laughs> yeah, and, and on the on the West Coast, they, they're giving away yeah, joints. Joints. <laughs> so, so hey. could you get any farther? Washington State and West Virginia. West Virginia, we'll give you a shotgun and a pickup truck. And Washington State, like, come get a come get some pot for your shot. <laughs> let me let me explain how this lottery works and why they're doing it. The government can't make you take a vaccine. Right. Uh, Constitutionally, just practically, right? What are they going to do? Fly around in helicopters and shoot us with tranquilizer guns? Like, there's some of us, like myself, (laughs) would go on the lam. They'd have to, you know, hunt me down. So they can't make you take the vaccine. But they can take your money. Yeah. They've got, you know, a rich 250-year history and the king before that of taking your money. Right. So they can take your money. Actually, it was it was. 1913. So they've only got like a 108-year history of this government yeah, of taking income tax. No. They can take your money. So that's what they're doing. They're taking your money and offering you a chance to get it back, along with your neighbor's money, which they've stolen. Right. Just a chance of getting your money along with your neighbor's money back if you take the vaccine. And it, look at Governor Bashir's vaccine payout. Like I always like to look at what the average payout is. Right. Uh, so let's say he has three million people that get vaccinated in Kentucky. We have four and a half million people. Three million would be a, a lofty goal. 
If he has, to, but but you know, it's what he's sh- he's shooting for more than that. Let's say he gets three million people vaccinated. He's offering three one million dollar prizes to that pool of three million people. So he's giving away three million dollars to three million people. The average expected value that he's giving you when you take the vaccine is exactly one dollar. So would you go get the vaccine? for a dollar if you were otherwise not going to get it right most people would not right right. but they're playing on psychology and trying to make you think oh i'm gonna win a million dollars well that's worth it right right um but in 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 a lot of ways the lottery is a tax on people who don't do the math right and and so this is coercing people who don't do the math, the vaccine lottery, with their own money. Right, with their own money. That's the thing. As I, I said that the other day. I said the governor is bribing you with your own money, um, which I, I don't understand why. But in Colorado, where I live, they're doing a lottery, and uh, they said, get this. I, I can't remember how many millions it is, but it's several. They, they're, they've seen an uptick in vaccinations. Remember, now 50% of the state of Colorado is already uh, vaccinated. Mm-hmm. Um, there's 11 counties in the state that have people with, that have 70% vaccination rate. So basically you've either had the virus and you have natural immunity or you've had the vaccine at this point. There's just, right. there's just, there's, there's, there's total herd immunity in the state of Colorado. They've seen an uptick in vaccines, getting the vaccine by 3%. So bribing the people has only resulted in 3%, but they're still going to have to give away all that money to somebody. So you even get, you get a minuscule return on your so-called investment as the state <laughs> when only three, because you're running out of people to right. get vaccinated at some point. Um, it's, it's insane. And by the way, not all of your listeners here know my a personal situation and why I'm not going to get the vaccine. It's because I've already had the virus. Right. And I don't know that from a PCR test, which we really weren't that reliable to start with because there weren't PCR tests available when I got the virus. Yeah. And, and it was rough on me. Four days on the couch. Day became night. Night became day. It right. was it was not fun. Well, um, I later took an antibody test, which six months after the suspected time when I had the virus, I had antibodies. And so at that point, I'm like, why would I ever get vaccinated? So, And there's there's a study now. Uh, it's pre. It's in preprint. It's being uh, peer reviewed. Whatever the term is, it's not been published yet. But you can go get it. Just Google Cleveland Clinic Natural Immunity or Recovered. In it, and what they found out is that whether you uh, were vaccinated or whether you had recovered from the virus or whether you had, they had a third category or whether you had recovered from the virus and went ahead and took the vaccine. Mm. Yeah. The results were all the same. Wow. So what that says is what the Pfizer study showed. Mm. If you go back and look, they had 30,000 people in there. Oh, look, we got 1200 people who have evidence of prior infection. Let's see how they did. Oh, look, the vaccine did nothing for them in the Pfizer study. <laughs> right. And it wasn't a small number. It was 1,200 people. Wow. You know, when I do a, a political poll, if I can get 500 people to answer their phone, that's a good poll. Yeah, for sure. Uh, we're talking with Congressman Thomas Massey. Two other quick things I want to hit real quick before we let you go. Um, someone at the IRS leaked the private 
tax information of some of America's richest people. Um, the mainstream media is having a heyday with this, uh, specifically uh, ProPublica, which in the past, I think that's the name of the organization mm-hmm. that published it, they have done some pretty good investigative work, but they are saying, hey, you know what? The need to get this information out, how little taxes rich people pay, outweighs their right to privacy, which is a bullcrap answer because we all know that rich people don't pay any taxes. So there's nothing new here. Ask a rich person. Right, They'll tell you. Right. There's, 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 there's nothing new here. And what you're doing is you're demonizing people who've done stuff that is totally legal. And the whole point was to influence more redistribution of wealth as opposed to actually fixing the real problem, which is to deal with the messed up tax code. But um, what should happen here? Because I, I don't see any like... I don't see any pitchforks coming for, like, put the person in jail who released this information. Because at this point now, so long as I guess you don't anger a liberal in the IRS, your tax information is private. But if you do, then Katie, bar the door. There are lots of lowest learners there. Yeah, right. And it's a when, and when it's a race to the bottom, they always win. Because if you have scruples and you know, dignity and respect the privacy of others, you would not do this. Right. But you're probably, probably a conservative. Right. Or, you know, I, don't get me wrong. I know a lot of liberals who are, I just disagree with their approach by to the life. By the way, let me, let me just not. explain for people listening on the radio. Lois Lerner, if you don't remember, was the person who was behind the scandal at the IRS when President Obama was using the IRS to go after essentially the Tea Party and any conservative groups that threatened his uh, reelection. And it was very success. It was a very successful operation because the Tea Party gave the Republicans the House in 2010 and they gave almost they had almost nothing in terms of impact in 2012 because they'd been gutted by audits and investigations right. and in the, by, done by the IRS politically. So I, I just want to make sure people understood what you were referencing right. when you said Lois Lerner. Some people Spe- have forgotten that specifically that she was denying their their tax exempt. Right, right. Uh, application while allowing liberal groups doing the exact same thing that they were doing a pass correct just look at the numbers they don't lie Uh, one of my colleagues in our judiciary hearing today asked that question he called it pro pubica though or something like that (laughs) instead of pro publica (laughs) uh, pro publica I don't know what he called it but it was something (laughs) I didn't recognize at first Then then by the time I realized what he was talking about it was your question and I don't know what the what the FBI director said in response to that. Right. But it was basically your question. So if we go back and look at the transcript, we can see if the FBI director was troubled. Right. Right. And he, and he also asked why, you know, why hasn't Lois Lerner been prosecuted for anything? Right. Right. hundred percent. So um, I have to run. Uh, but it was great talking to you again, sir. I appreciate you very much. Good talking to you, Leland. All have right. a great day. All right. You too. Bye bye. Big thanks to both of them for coming on both the radio show and the podcast. And by the way, uh, of course, we did a, we talked to them on KFAB in Omaha, but also here on WGTK in Louisville. So we really appreciate the partnership we have with WGTK in Louisville. You can hear my commentaries every day. Uh, they're a minute and a half. Like to make fun of uh, Governor Bashir. I'm pretty irreverent, and I'm pretty. Um, I like the word scofflaw. That's like my word of the day today because I read it in an article. Scofflaw. I'm pretty scofflaw <laughs> when it comes to that. So check it out. It's at WGTK 970 AM. The answer 
in Louisville. Big thanks to our sponsor, Louisville Cabinets and Countertops. Without them, this labor of love would not be possible. So uh, they did our kitchen. I'm pretty sure it's the reason why our house sold in like less than a day. Because the kitchen was beautiful. And that was all because of Tim Montgomery and his crew. Their work ethic is unparalleled. Their craftsmanship is incredible and impeccable. Um, and the way that they deal with you in terms of service after the sale or SAS, as I call it. But leading up to that, the design process is just fantastic. George, Michelle, Kelly, the designers, they're all going to help you build your dream kitchen. Or if you're a do-it-yourselfer, they've got cabinets in stock right now that are very affordable. And uh, you can just go to cat, just go to their website, Louisville Cabinets and Countertops, and then on the Cabinets tab, click that, drop it down, look at all the stuff they have in stock. You're going to be like, whoa, I can get these now? I can make my kitchen look like that now? Are you kidding me? Yeah, I'm not kidding you. It's real. So give them a call at 502-930-3304, 502 Go to LouisvilleCabinetsAndCountertops.com or just stop by. 6200 Hit Lane in Louisville. 6200 Hit Lane. Put that in your GPS and roll with it. Go see George McKelly, uh, George Kelly Michelle. And tell them I said, hi, y'all. Okay, do that for me. Do it like real annoying like that too. Like, hi. Leland said, hi, y'all. No, they'll love it. Um, Louisville Cabinets Countertops. If you're in southern Indiana, Louisville, or um, Oldham County, these are your guys. Make it happen. All right. Uh, big thanks to Cameron Mills, my lazy, good for nothing, sometimes here, sometimes not, co-executive producer and co-host. Big thanks to you for listening. You can download a free podcast download at iHeartRadio's app, Apple Podcasts, and Google Play. Share it with your friends. We're going to send you fresh episodes straight to your phone. You can carry me around in your pocket. All right? Uh, big thanks to Dynamics Audio Productions in Lexington, Kentucky. Follow me on Twitter. It's at Leland Show and at Zone Disruption. And on Instagram, it's at Greatly Londo and at The Disruption Zone. Thank you for listening. The Disruption Zone. Yeah.